Hi there, and welcome to episode six of the T21 Mom podcast. My name is Mary, and I will be your host. Each week, we will talk about life, Down syndrome, mamahood, single parenting, and pretty much everything in between. I have a daughter named Ainsley, and she's six years old and rocking an extra chromosome, also known as Down syndrome. And I am living life my way. Today, my friend Ron joins me. And he's the one who suggested I do a podcast. He tells me he's learned so much about Down syndrome just from our informal coffee chats and my Facebook posts. Welcome, Ron. Hey, Mary. How you doing? I'm doing pretty awesome. Sounds like you still got a little bit of that cold going on, the little allergy thing. Oh, yeah. I hope it ends soon. (laughs) (laughs) We're battling, but we're doing okay. Okay. So today we have this interesting show. It's about a bit of an adventure in life. Yes, I guess you could say it's a bit of an adventure. So where are we going? Well, I thought today we could talk about work-life balance. You hear about it everywhere, and it's a very trendy topic, and I think it's very applicable. And everybody has to make their own way with this. This is There, there is no cookie cutter. There's no form. There's no, this is, everybody makes their own way with this. Exactly. So can you help? maybe define what you're seeing as the work-life balance and how that has progressed. I mean, you had Ainsley, you went on maternity leave, and then you had to go back to work. And balancing things before you went back to work and balancing things after you returned to work, there's a real story in that. It was a huge challenge because I went back to work And I'm a shift worker and it was four days on and four days off. And then the start times changed each week and trying to find daycare was absolutely terrible. You know, fortunately the daycare at the time, they allowed me to be pretty flexible in the beginning where I could just sort of pick two days each month, I think is what it was. But then as they got more kids, they couldn't be as flexible. And like sometimes I was working till nine o'clock at night And the daycare closes at 5.30 and I've got to get Ainsley home. So sometimes I was at work actually thinking, I don't know what I'm doing for daycare after 5.30. And I'd be sitting there crying, going, I don't know what I'm going to do. But fortunately, my sister-in-law was homeschooling her kids at the time and lived fairly close to my workplace And I remember calling her on several occasions, can you take Ainsley until I get home? And she always said yes, and I am so thankful and so grateful for that. But it also means that I've got to go get her on my break and then go and take her to another home. So it it was definitely a struggle. And I'm trying to find time to do everything for my child. I'm working. I got to do all her appointments still. I have to try to find some time for me, but that became almost impossible I think and eventually I went to my workplace and just said can I just work set days my daycare situation is nearing impossible you know I just I'll even work nights but I just need to work the set days because it's too difficult to find adequate daycare and running all over it's not good for Ainsley and it's not good for me and then it's never good for the company if you're not you know, if you're not 100% there, it's never good for the company either, right? Exactly. And it was very stressful, you know, trying to navigate that, you know, because I want to be a good employee. 
I want to be showing up for work and being present at my job, which, you know, as a 911 operator, I think is pretty important. <laughs> and, you know, I went to them and I explained to them my, my situation and they got back to me and they told me no. And I was absolutely devastated because I did explain to them that, you know, if you can't help me, I, I'm probably going to have a nervous breakdown or I'm going to have to take a leave of absence. And I've, you know, I've been with the company for a very long time and I, I was really heartbroken that they couldn't find a way to assist me. And I went were back. they just unwilling to assist you or was there just were there policies in place that prevented that? Was there just a corporate culture that said just deal with whatever you're dealing with? We don't really care. I think honestly, I think they were just uneducated about the situation. I don't think it was that they were trying to make my life difficult, but they have some rules that they need to follow. And I understand that. But that's why I was also willing to still work nights. And, you know, I, I think... Ultimately, I just think it's because no one had really approached them with this kind of situation. They had made other accommodations for people for various reasons, but I guess they didn't feel that mine was really a work accommodation. It was more of a life accommodation. And, but it was just really a bit heartbreaking because I'm a single mom. I don't have any additional help, very little help. Like, you know, my sister-in-law was great but I can't always rely on her. She has her own kids to also deal with and her family and all their things that they have going on. And so I went back to my little work village and, and told them. And then one of my very good friends suggested that I, I write a letter to our vice president of operations. And so I took some time to craft the letter very carefully and I went and submitted it to him and he thought it was a bit odd that I was in his office because I'd never been to his office before. <laughs> and, you know, he asked how I was doing and I said, well, not really great, but you'll see from this letter. And I went back to work and literally five minutes later, he came out and said to me, I don't know what I can do for you, but let me look into it and I'll get back to you. And exactly one week later, the lady that I had spoken to at HR who had told me, no, they weren't going to help me or couldn't help me came up to tell me that she wanted to see me. And I'm thinking, oh, like I thought it was pretty ominous because I thought, oh, she wants to talk to me about the letter, you know, and I tried to be, you know, like don't shoot the messenger in the, in the letter. I just described what had happened with HR and she said, we're going to accommodate you. And they told me that they didn't know about what's called family status. And I had only recently had found out about it prior to going to them about asking for this accommodation. And I didn't want to go to them and say, hey, there's this family status that actually makes you obligated to help me because I've exhausted all my other roles or all my other possibilities with people or what I can do. But then fortunately, they they figured out a way to make it work for me. And they had me on a condensed work week so I could work Tuesday to Friday day shift. So that worked pretty good. But I also was working till seven o'clock at night and daycare closed at 530. So I still had to arrange for pickups and 
things like that from the daycare. And for a while, I did find some people who were awesome and quite reliable. But then one lady moved away and, you know, so, and things change. I get that. And, you know, people's priorities change or different obligations. And then it kind of all started crashing down and I couldn't find reliable people to watch Ainsley or to pick her up. So then I'm going on my break to get Ainsley, taking her home and someone was meeting me there who could watch her. It was a really, really challenging time. So can I just go back to the letter for a second? Mm -hmm. um, you, you said you wrote this letter. What did you put in the letter? What did you say? What was your tone? What kind of terminology did you use that may have brought their attention to something? I'm sure it wasn't a demanding letter, but what was the tone of the letter? From what I recall, because it was a couple of years ago, I just wrote what my situation was. I said, I'm a single mom. I have a special needs child. I don't have any other help. And my daycare challenges are incredibly difficult to find like even to find a daycare space is notoriously hard but fortunately through Jen our awesome support worker we got into that daycare but they can only be so flexible because they are required for numbers and space and how many adults are going to be there etc and I and, just and they have to maintain their hours so that they like they have their own work-life balance issues. Of course. And I just kind of laid out that how much of a struggle it was. And and I did offer that I could still work nights. I just said I need a steady schedule in order to find reliable daycare for Ainsley. And, you know, when I explained what had happened with HR, because I don't think Doug, who was the VP of operations at the time, knew. And you know, but I realized that the woman I was dealing with at HR is she's just the messenger. Like she's not the one that was making the decision to say, no, we're not going to accommodate you. And I didn't want it to look that way. I wanted it to be a fair and honest letter, but without really pointing fingers or making them sound bad, I guess. And I think it was truly that they were just so unaware and so uneducated to a special needs parent's life and their work-life balance, because it's a really challenging thing. Like just even for people with typical kids, it's hard. But when you're thrown into the life of special needs, there's all these other things that you're responsible for, for all of these appointments, you know, not just therapies, but different specialists that you have to go to on a regular basis, doctor's appointments and things like that. And I think it really opened up their eyes. And then when they did give me the accommodation, you know, she told me, you know, you're a trailblazer. And I thanked her, but you know, I didn't set out to be a trailblazer. I just wanted them to help me because I wanted to work. You know, I've been with the company for a very long time and I, I think I I'm a good employee. You're in the kind of job that sort of burns through people. Oh, totally. So, yes. So having somebody that wants to stay, mm -hmm. that from a corporate perspective, like if you're in a like if you're in that business that is burning people out, but you've got somebody there who seems to manage the job and seems to want to stay, then why is there this kind of pushback against trying to help them stay? And I think 
it's just because they had never come across this before. And I mean, since that time, the organization has grown exponentially. So I think they're probably running into some different situations, maybe not quite like mine, but where now they have that experience of dealing with these different one-off situations and how they're going to handle it. And I'm really grateful that, you know, they were able to accommodate me. And I remember coming back up the stairs and telling my little village and we were all crying. I mean, happy tears. I mean, we were just so thankful and I was so grateful and so thankful that they were going to do that for me. Well, it seems that they got very creative in how to accommodate you. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm curious about the tone of the letter is so that, you know, maybe some of the people that are listening to us may be able to take a lesson from how that letter was worded, how it, the tone of it, it wasn't demanding. No. It was just, it was, it was information presented in a fair way. It wasn't angry. No, it wasn't at all. And I just really wanted the, them to have sort of like a little snapshot of what my life was like with Ainsley and I don't know if I really want to say the word struggles, but challenges that I was having and how can... No, let's be fair. These were struggles. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. And But how as a workplace, as an employer, that they can help their employee? And, you know, I'm in a unionized environment, so I was kind of concerned that people would look at me and even grieve that I was getting this special accommodation but that actually never happened and when I told my village that they go do you think so I go well I don't know right I mean people like you guys understand my life because I share it with you but uh, there's lots of people who don't and they may not understand why I need this accommodation and I do think it helped that you know like you said I wasn't demanding in the letter I just kind of laid it out like the challenges and struggles that I was having. But I also specifically put in the letter how the employer could help me. And I think that's what helped them. because So, so you offered them, like you said, here's the germ of a solution. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can talk about this. Yeah. And I think so that they could understand like how they can help me. I think that might have been part of the problem maybe initially. I mean, I'm pretty sure I said like if I can just work set days. But when I kind of laid it out in print, I think then they could go back and look at it. And and I did explain that I had pretty much exhausted every avenue that I had in, in order to assist me and Ainsley. And it wasn't sustainable. You know, I can't continue to rely on family or, you know, a friend in my building and so on to, to help me because other things pop up in these people's lives. And I, you know, and again, they have their own. Exactly. Work-life balance or life-life balance mm-hmm. that is up to them. Like they may want, as altruistic as it might be looking after Ainsley, altruism does have a kind of a limit where six days a week you're looking after this mm-hmm. this kid, right? Yeah. So, And I, I don't say this kid in a nasty... No, no, uh, I know. <laughs> it's hard work. Yeah. You know, and I get that. Yeah. And I was so appreciative of the people who could help me you know, because they, at that time, like I wasn't paying, you know, my sister-in-law and the lady in my building, they, they were just willing to do it to help me, you know, at the time. But I also knew it wasn't sustainable long-term. And, and that's when I knew I had to look for some different avenues. So how, how often would you say in your work-life balance that you have to come up with a last minute solution? 
at that time, it was pretty frequent. I would say definitely at least once a week. Like I, you know, but probably, you know, I was working four days, but a week, I would say. But those were long days. Yeah, 10 hours. Yeah. And yeah, I would definitely say at least once to twice a week. And then, you know, I had two friends, Trish and another friend, Christine, who would watch Ainsley once a month. You know, so I'd find a day that, or they would give me a day that they could do. You know, so that helped. But I also knew, again, you know, Trish was getting married at that time. And, you know, she said, I I can't, you know, I got to work on the wedding. So I can't, you know, won't be able to help you after this date. So, you know, like, again, like life happens, right? And so you have to make accommodations for that. And I, and again, like I knew it wasn't a long-term solution. It was really more of a short-term solution. And if my workplace could come up with something that was more sustainable, that would make me happy, Ainsley happy, everybody happy. I can go to work, Ainsley can go to daycare, you know, and then we can just be contributing members to society. So trying to reduce the friction of life. Right? Yeah, because it, it was... When these unexpected things come up, you know, we had a thing last week where you and I were going to get together to record some stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of a sudden your daycare fell through. Right. right. And so all of a sudden the friction of life has now dropped another little pine cone on your head to try mm-hmm. and find a solution for this. You know, and a lot of it is thinking on the fly. And, you know, as I was driving here, I'm going, oh, my brother lives right there. I just quickly called him. Yes, no problem. And he, they took Ainsley for a couple hours. So yep. it was great. And I realized that not everyone has that option. I'm so grateful, you know, for my brother and his wife who, without ever hesitation, say yes. You know, and I remember one day Mary Lou was taking the kids to swimming. That's my sister-in-law. And she brought Ainsley. She had three kids. And she goes, yeah, people were looking at us. But, you know, it was all good. They were all within an arm's reach. And she goes, what's one more kid? <laughs> well, and you know, it's funny you should mention that because that goes back to our last show with, with Kelsey and her 10 kids. Right. right? Yeah. What's <laughs> so, one more? Yeah. So I can imagine what these people look on these people's face would be if all of a sudden she showed up with 10 kids. <laughs> <laughs> they would be wondering, are they all hers? Exactly. So it's, and, and again, that comes down to the the notion of looking at people and passing judgment and instead of saying, well, I wonder how that works. All that goes is, how many kids has she got? <laughs> I'm sure she gets that all the time. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was tough. It was really, really tough. And... But then, you know, things did go well for a while. But then the one lady who was picking Ainsley up from daycare, I go to pick Ainsley up one day and she's got a bunch of stuff in boxes. And I asked her, what's going on? She goes, oh, I'm putting my place up for sale. And I'm thinking, when was she planning on telling me? And uh, I like, and she was awesome I really loved her and she was so good with Ainsley and she actually looked after a whole bunch of kids in her townhouse and so then I had to find somebody else who I hoped would be as awesome as her and I I did find some other uh, people but again like one woman she worked with special needs so I thought oh she'll she'll be great and she had Ainsley a few times and then had Ainsley had a little accident at her place. She fell because Ainsley wasn't super sturdy at that point. 
and she fell down some stairs and knocked out her front tooth and you know I don't fault the lady like I think she'd just taken her son to the bathroom for a second or something and you know I got to meet her at the emergency with Ainsley and honestly I wouldn't have even known that anything was wrong with her except when she opened her mouth there was a big gap and it's just a childhood accident this is this yeah. is not negligence this is just kids will mm-hmm. do this stuff yeah and I'm sure it horrified her it or traumatized her but and I told her I'll, I'll text you after we're home from the hospital and I did and I said everything's fine and we went to a dentist and they they said it looks good and I never heard back from her which I thought was a bit odd and then it was the day before like it was a week later and it was a, the day before she's supposed to pick her up. And she texts me at 7.30 at night and tells me I can no longer support Ainsley. And I'm thinking, what? That is what made me really angry. Not the fall, but that she waits an entire week to tell me, knowing that I'm a single parent, I don't have any other help, what am I going to do? And I can't even remember what I did at that point. I think I found someone who could... Like I brought Ainsley home, I think on my break and someone came and watched her. But I also knew like this wasn't sustainable for me. And I found another young woman who I actually worked with her mom and she worked out really awesome. And so she was there for, I think she was with Ainsley for about a year and she would pick her up at the daycare, but then they moved. So she goes, you know, I I won't be able to get her anymore because she was moving a lot farther away. And, And I had lots of notice. So that was, that was good. But then trying to find people was really challenging. I found another great lady and she had twins. And I said, are you crazy? (laughs) (laughs) And because I think they were around Ainsley's age, maybe a year younger. And she goes, no, it's, it's great. And then they see now again, going back to Kelsey's story, it's like now when I see people with twins, I think, ah, that's nothing. (laughs) (laughs) They got nothing on Kelsey. Exactly. That's, yeah. there's, there's a new bar <laughs> yeah she set it pretty high I think and they suddenly got an eviction notice that they had to move and so I'm going I'm going down this road again and you know again I'd be picking Ainsley up on my break bringing her home and I had a young friend who was who didn't drive so she could just meet me at my place and would watch Ainsley and I thought this is crazy like I have I'm not even getting I'm not getting a break at home and I'm not getting a break at work. And I knew that that was not good. And, you know, that's kind of was sort of the, I don't know, I guess the the straw that broke the camel's back. Where did you go, like within yourself, to try and figure out how to fix this? Oh, gosh, it was a dark place. You know, I... It was terrible. I was at work. I stopped exercising. I was sleeping on my whatever breaks that I had. And I remember, you know, I'd be calling Dennis on my break crying because, you know, like someone would cancel and then I'd have to leave work early and then they were going to take it out of my holiday bank. And I'm thinking, I'd rather not get paid because I need those holidays. And I said, I, I just can't do this anymore. I can't do it. And he actually just said, then don't. And it was kind of like... Power to Dennis. Yeah. Like, it it was kind of like a no-brainer, but I guess I needed someone to say, then don't. Like, I don't need to show everyone that I'm super mom, and, but also to show that I'm... But to show that I'm human, you know, that it's a struggle at times, you know, the whole balance of 
life, work, special needs. You know, there's that whole other branch of life. Life is, you know, in your situation, there are two lives, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then there's your work, which again, another couple of things going on there. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of trying to balance all of that. And what do you do at the center of this is you as a human being. So what did you do about that? Well, that's when I told them that I needed to take a leave from work, that I needed to get my life back in order. And in order or just get your life back? Get my life back. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a lot of work. You know, I didn't, it took me a long time to realize that I was pretty much running on empty for a very long time and trying to keep everything in check, trying to be a good mom, you know, but like you're tired, you're stressed, you're frustrated. So, you know, you're not going to have as much patience, you know, and then plus you're dealing with all the other things that I need to deal with, with Ainsley, like just all her therapies. She has an infrastructure all her own. Exactly. And it was, it was really hard, but you know, and it wasn't till I'd been off for a little while that I finally really realized how much of a break that I, I needed. And I had a lot of guilt about not being at work and letting my colleagues down because I know how busy it is there. And it took me a while to get over that. And, you know, but I did. And when I eventually did go back to work, like I felt ready, but it took, me a lot to figure out how to get there you know I began to you know I did see a counselor who you know helped steer me in that direction and we talked a lot about self-care which is another very trendy topic because you know when do you think maybe it's trending because it's so real to so many people I think so and once they discover the whole idea of self-care they go what what have I been missing here? And what is it? Because it's yeah. going to look different for every person, right? Absolutely. And, you know, it's not always about like, oh, just take a bath or whatever. But it's sometimes it's just carving out like just even a few minutes a day that you know that is just for you. And like I have a little five-line journal that I've always journaled in pretty much since Ainsley was born. You know, and she really enforced me to do that and got me to be really introspective on my life and my achievements because I always sort of kind of downplayed them and she really got me into thinking about how I could be proud of all these things that I had done like I went out and had a child on my own and she has special needs you know like that in itself when I think about it now like that's a big deal and but I didn't really think of it that way at the time And, you know, and just all the other things that I do within our Down syndrome community, you know, I'm very proud of those things. I'm I'm proud that my story is in gifts that we talked about earlier. You know, I'm proud of all the fundraising that I do, you know, so, but it took a long time for me to get to that place where I could. Well, and let's not leave out the stuff you did with gymnastics too, right? For all the years that you put into gymnastics (laughs) and all your other volunteer work before Ainsley, Mm -hmm. I mean, you have a, this whole string of accomplishments that, <laughs> that you know you do downplay. Yes, that's true. Right? Mm-hmm. So, and and by the way, you're not the only one that does that. <laughs> no, I know, <laughs> but I've learned that it's it's okay. Like it's not uh, trying to brag or anything, but it's okay to be proud of the things that you've achieved. And I am, 
And, but it took a long time to get to that place where I felt comfortable even talking about it. You know, I don't necessarily talk about like, you know, the 12 years I was a coach, you know, and I loved it. I loved being a coach. And all the kids that, all the kids that you helped to become mm-hmm. better athletes and, you know, probably better people. Yeah. And I still, you know, I'm friends with some of them on Facebook and I actually even work with one of the young, well, she's not young now, but you know, with one of the girls that I coached and, and her brother was on our gymnastics team too. And he, he had some special needs as well. And I remember like, we all just were so excited for Kendrick when he competed because gymnastics is the only all inclusive sport in high school. You don't have to try out to be on the team because there's all different levels. So you, if, you know, if your skill level is a beginner, you go in the novice level. Everyone can compete in novice. So, so if like you can be in grade 11 and still be a novice. Exactly. You know, and Kendrick, he went to the BC provincials and everyone just totally cheered him and supported him on our team, you know, because we had a pretty good boys team and it was awesome to see. And like, little did I know that in a number of years, I would be the parent of a special needs kid. So your accomplishments are many. Thank you. I do appreciate that. Both, you know, know, both in terms of what you've done with your life and in the way you've affected other people in a very positive way. Thank you. No, I really, I, I really, do appreciate that. And I think... And we don't take enough time to sit down with ourselves. No. To, to be honest and say, you know what? I am something. I am a deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and right. I think we need to do that. I think we need to honor ourselves and be proud of the things that we do. You know, maybe you haven't had a great day and you think, I, you know, I wasn't a great mom today. I mean, trust me, we all have those days. But Whether you okay. have special needs kids or not, yeah. you're going to sit down and go... I didn't do well today as a mom, but tomorrow you're not going to stop being a mom simply because you had a bad day today. Right. You know, and you might have a glass of wine and go, well, tomorrow's another day. The ultimate therapy. <laughs> the ultimate therapy. <laughs> but you know. But when you started journaling again, how much freedom did you get out of that? Like, or did you feel out of that? Because my counselor also asked me to write certain things like, you know, write out my accomplishments and things that I wanted to work on. So it gave me, you know, it allowed me to think and ponder about and be introspective about where I wanted to see things go and, and to really reflect on the things that I had done, you know, so it did, it it allowed me to become, I guess, more free and to really kind of focus on me as well. Like, yes, my focus is Ainsley, but if I am going to, you know, as everyone says, if you're going to be a good mom to your child, you have to be good to yourself. You know, I mean, we're all going to have bad days. That's just normal. But, you know, I want to be the best mom that I can be. But before, you know, when things were kind of spiraling out of control, I probably wasn't like the best mom. You know, I'm sure my patience was short. Ainsley was having a lot of trouble falling asleep at night. You know, it was hard. Is that because she was picking up on your attention? Well, I think at that time they were still, I begged them at daycare because she wasn't in school yet. Like I begged them at daycare, no more naps because she would be awake till 10 or 11 at night. I go, I need to get stuff done, you know? And, and so finally they relented because I, I actually, again, I had to advocate and say no more naps because I need her to be tired when it's bedtime. 
because after she's asleep, that's when I pack up all the lunches. I get everything ready for the next day and I have a little bit of me time, you know? So, but also with my work, that's because I, you know, going back. Well, you bring attention home from that too. Yeah. And is like, you're advocating for your child all the time, but you also have to advocate for you and people have to get comfortable in that role because for my workplace, I think a lot of it, as I said, is they were just really unaware of the situation. I don't think it's that they didn't want to help me is that it's just that they couldn't figure out really how, and you know, kind of once I sort of enlightened them to how they could do it, you know, they were pretty accommodating. I mean, other than buying cookies. Yeah. (laughs) That must be your number one market. They, they do. When I do the bake sales at work, I always do very well. I just put it out. It's super easy. And I brought some cookies in actually yesterday when I was at work and people were asking me like how much I go, no, it's free today because it's just what I had left over from the first one's always free. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, they're all going, Oh, these are so good. I said, you can order, you know, and they're really like my, colleagues are great you know I love the people I work with they're a really awesome and amazing group of people when you think about what they're dealing with on a daily basis it's tough you know and I I really commend them for the work that they do and how they hold it together because it is a tough job I mean there were days before that I would go in I'm going I really I don't want to kill somebody today I know that sounds terrible and the chances are that's remote, your job but it is an actual reality yeah you know, and it's hard. And, and that, and even that was weighing on me at that time is like, I had a really hard time focusing and concentrating at work. And it's a job that you need to focus and you need to be able to tune out and to concentrate, you know, and, and I wanted to be a good 911 operator. So here's a thought because you went through counseling. I don't know if you're, you're still seeing your counselor, which Mm -hmm. I always recommend people have a counselor. Yeah. When we're talking about self-care and the things you've learned about self-care, do you have those conversations with the people at work to not mm-hmm. necessarily enlighten them, but to maybe suggest to them that self-care, mm-hmm. this is what it looks like for me. What can it look like for you? Yeah, because like I said, self-care is going to be different for every person, right? And especially, you know, the other mamas in my Down Center community, I talk about it with them. You know, find something that you like. Like I stopped reading, you know, because I got a million things that I need to read for Ainsley. But I, you gave me a book a few weeks ago and I've been reading that every night because the stories are short and I can do that. I can manage it, you know, and I really enjoy that. And then I, I had, I started going to a weekly knit knitting group that I, I really enjoy. I've met some really great ladies and there's even a couple fellows that come to that are amazing knitters. It's an amazing stress relief. Yeah. And I mean, I love it and, and they love my cookies too you know, and, secondary market. Yeah. And like, and for me, the baking is a huge, like that's like, for me, that's some that's, self-care there. That's therapy in itself. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't really eat them all that much. I just really enjoy making them and making them for others. So for me, that's part of my self-care. For us, we are all grateful for your baking. Thank you. <laughs> There's generally always cookies. My friend, Mary, She's married too. <laughs> she comes down. She goes, oh, there's always cookies at your place. <laughs> Generally, there always are. And, But yeah, I, I think it's just important to find something that you can find fulfillment from. 
you know, and it's allowed me now to get back into exercising and just to focus on my life too, because my life is important too. And obviously Ainsley's is as well, but I also feel it's really allowed me to focus a lot more on her different therapies and learning because, you know, she's finishing up grade one now. And we actually just had her IEP review today and it actually went really awesome. And I, and I know that's a whole episode in itself because, you know, they always say your IEP prep is coffee and your drink after is wine. <laughs> and that's going to be a couple episodes down the road because we're, sure. we're working on getting some more guests. Right. But tell me, tell me about napping, like which, <laughs> which, you know, Robert Fulgham covered this in, in his book, All I Ever Really Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. kindergarten. Yeah. And, and one of his things in there, wash your hands, take a nap. Yes. And that's what I've learned too is sleep is so important and you know before when things were spiraling out of control I know I wasn't getting a lot of sleep so you're not making the best decisions or best choices and if I'm off I and if I'm tired I take a nap and even now when Ainsley's at home I will lay on the couch and let her play like you know I can hear her but it just allows me to rejuvenate and refresh and I think napping is good we should all do it well the brain needs a rest and the brain needs a rest yeah yeah Yeah. talk to me about self-pride well I've really learned something really important it's about being proud of me and although I can be outspoken at times I don't really like being the center of attention and I don't want to seem like I'm being boastful or or arrogant about my achievements. And I guess that's why I've always kind of maybe downplayed them a little bit. But now I'm really learning to celebrate them. And people are excited for me. It doesn't have to be in a sort of a loud, no loud, you know, thump in your chest, look at me, look at me way. It's like, oh yeah, I, you know, I, I do this. Mm-hmm. And I, I was always surprised with, people I worked with finding out that they did these other things and I'm going like Mm -hmm. wow really like one guy I worked with I never knew he was a I never knew he flew jets in the Swedish Air Force wow so because he was just this really Mm low-key quiet guy but he that's what he did so finding out that people can do things so where do you tell people where do you tell people about your achievements well you know if we're chatting and stuff I just kind of sometimes I'll share and you know at work they kind of know about all my fundraising that I do through the cookies and like you know at the farmer's market I put out you know when I do my little fundraiser I put out the book gifts to a story and people were looking at it and a few people were asking me about it and it was just really nice to be able to share that our story is out there and and people thought that was really cool and just even telling people that I'm doing this T21 Mom podcast, they're excited. And, you know, some of them have heard some of the previews and they go, I want more. And so that makes me feel pretty awesome. And, you know, that if I can do it, anybody can do it. You know, you, you know, you just sort of have to have a little bit of focus and, you know, maybe a bit of a mission and just go with it. So if there's a parent out there with a special needs kid who is feeling sort of at the end of their mm-hmm. rope, their mm-hmm. work-life balance is mm-hmm. way out of balance, like a washing machine where everything's stuck to one side on the spin cycle. What would you suggest to them that they do? I think they need to, you know, maybe 
write out a list or, you know, sit really spend some time sitting down thinking about what do they need to change, like, and what's going to help them. And oftentimes it might be your work, what's going on with your work. Like maybe you need to work slightly shorter hours or like in my case, I worked a condensed week, but then it ended up, you know, a few years later, it was posing some challenges, but we're working through them. And, you know, and also I'm in a larger workplace. I mean, if you're in a smaller workplace, it could be a bit more of a challenge. But I think if you can bring it forward to your employer, and not in a negative way or demanding way, but just in a way like, how can we work together on this? That I think most people are going to be open to that. And also sometimes you got to just say no to things and to learn that it's okay to say no. And what I've learned is there's a lot of power in that word. When you start learning to say it, people, you know, are okay with it, you know, because you're taking ownership of your life and the things that you can and cannot do and what you're willing and not willing to do. And I've learned that that's really important. And that's also part of self-advocacy, like advocating for yourself. Because we just spend so much time doing stuff for our, our kiddos, you know, filling out endless paperwork, going to various appointments and meetings and doctor's appointments and things like that. But it's just really important to take some time to focus on you. And if you feel that things are just completely out of whack, you know, sometimes it might only be one thing. What can you change that's going to help make your life easier? Maybe it's having someone come in and clean your house. It could be that. It could be something as simple as that. You know, and how are you going to make that work? You know, we've been talking about this now for, you know, nearly half an hour, over half an hour. What do you see as maybe some takeaways from your experience that other people might be able to learn from? I think one of the big things for me is like, although it's hard and it can sometimes be really difficult. It's so important to find something that you enjoy. For me, I get a lot of stress relief, as I said, from baking. So for me, that's kind of like a no brainer. And as I mentioned, I started to read again and I, I really missed it. You know, I really missed just reading purely for just enjoyment. And, you know, and I try to get out to my little weekly knitting group, but you know, I've got to find daycare for Ainsley too. But it's just some of those little things. And I think it's it's really helped me to become like whole again and where I really feel like I'm a better version of myself. And it's not overnight. Like these things don't happen overnight where you got to that rough and bad place, I guess, if you want to call it that, but where things are getting difficult. Like it, those don't happen overnight. We only notice when it breaks. We don't notice that it's actually on the point to being broken. Exactly. And so you can't always expect that things are going to turn around immediately. It's going to take time. It's going to take work. And, you know, and also, as I said, you need to learn to just speak up for yourself. I know sometimes we can feel uncomfortable doing that. It's kind of out of our box, I guess. But we're not trained to do it. We're not, we're not, all through school, we're not told to, and when we're growing up, we're told look out for the other guy, mm -hmm. don't talk about what's going on inside you. It's always about the external. It's never about the internal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, like it was a really long and hard journey to finally feeling whole again. I mean, it's still stressful. My life, there's always going to be elements of stress in my life. And, you know, and I was worried about today's IEP, but, you know, it went remarkably well and everyone that was there was really supportive 
you know, so I find, oh, okay, it wasn't so bad. Well, one of the things that happens when, you know, because I've been in those places where you're about to break mm-hmm. and fortunately people like pull you back is once you start, once you've been through it, you start to recognize the signposts yep. on the mm-hmm. way to that point again. And you know, you don't want to go there. So mm-hmm. if you've developed tools to help you, mm-hmm. then you never get to that point really again. Exactly. And I know for me, a lot of it is being very organized, just like Kelsey said with her huge family. I mean, it's just me and Ainsley, but you know, but because of my work hours, it's sometimes a bit of a struggle, but you know, I am very organized with our meal planning and doing all our lunches ahead of time, you know, because that eliminates a huge stress for me. If I know that that stuff is done because I, you know, I got to, I got to feed her. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of one of those, kind of one of those gotta things, right? Yeah. Like you, I got to feed Ainsley. Right? Yeah. That's <laughs> one of the, one of the primary things of, of parenthood is, yes. Is people got to get fed. Exactly. You know, and I like for her to eat pretty wholesome food, you know, because that's important to me. And, you know, is it hard? You're damn straight. It's hard, but it allows me to have some control when, at one time, my life really felt like it was out of control. But I'm happy to say that I'm back. I mean, we're glad you're back because this program couldn't have happened if you weren't back. And and this is all part of that journey. And I'm totally exhilarated. And it's just given me a whole rejuvenation and something to really be excited about. And it feels awesome. And so... Where are we going to go next time as we continue on this great adventure? Are we going to talk to somebody? Are we going to are we going to talk some more about something else? What are we going to go? We are going to go to the Baskets of Love. My friend Danielle is going to come on and she is going to talk about the nonprofit that she created called the Baskets of Love Down Syndrome Support Society and what Baskets of Love is. Excellent. Looking forward to that one. Me too. So why don't you tell the listeners the really great news that we have for their convenience now? Well, I'm very excited that we are pretty much available anywhere that you can get a podcast. So on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and also on our website at t21mom.com. Excellent. Such good news that we finally managed to break that barrier. Mm-hmm. So thank you for this episode, Mary. I mean, I know the whole work-life balance thing is a real complicated topic. Yeah. Um, but let's take us out. Thanks for listening to episode six of the T21 Mom podcast. And I would love to hear from you. What things are important to you as you navigate this journey of special needs and Down syndrome? How are you doing things your way? Drop us a line at our email at info at t21mom.com and t21mom is all one word and let us know what's going on in your life keep loving on your rocking kiddos and we will see you next time see you Mary. bye ron <laughs>